welcome back to the Wire Podcast. I am your host, Ryan McCreary, and I have a lot to talk about today. I want to talk about the first week of baseball. I also want to talk about the NFL Top 100 list. I know I'm late, uh, but that happened last week. That came out. Um, then I want to talk about the NBA restart. That happened last week as well. And I want to talk about some games that happened yesterday at the time I'm recording this podcast. I know I'm a late. I know I'm late on a lot of what I'm going to talk about today. But it's been a hectic week. It's been kind of crazy. I quit my job today. I'm going to college next week. So it's 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 a crazy time for me. But I want to talk about what I'm talking about today. Starting off with baseball. And wow, it's been a crazy week for baseball, a crazy uh, past weekend. And as you all probably know, baseball may not be happening for much longer. Um, The Marlins and the St. Louis Cardinals have had outbreaks of coronavirus within their teams or or within their franchises. franchises. Uh, And it's rumored that the Marlins, when they came down to Atlanta for an exhibition game, their players uh, went out, they went out to, to party, they went out to clubs, they had a good time, but that is, that's the rumor, that is how uh, the spread happened, that's how the outbreak started, or that's what the rumor is, I hope that's not how it happened, uh, but it is likely that that's how the outbreak started, I just hope that play, that the players were smarter than that, and that they weren't that immature, um, and that dumb, but as you know, you're asking guys to go months without going out and partying, and it's kind of hard to do that. I mean, I, I understand, but, you know, I'd hate for that to be the reason why the season shut, shut, shuts down. But if that continues to happen, if teams continue to travel across the country and aren't being monitored closely like the NBA teams are in the Orlando bubble, then this is going to continue to happen. Outbreaks are going to rise. Uh, more teams are going to have them. And the season most likely will be canceled. I kind of expect the season to be canceled, to be completely honest. I just don't know how they're going to continue to play a season without outbreaks, um, you know, becoming more common. And if outbreaks start or become more common, I expect the season to be canceled 100%. Maybe they can try to fight through it. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that. But, you know, we'll see. Hopefully the season isn't canceled. This was really my first year that I was watching the season super closely, um, and, I, and I was really excited about it, and the Braves are they're really good this year. Um, so it, it, it was an exciting season for me. I hope it doesn't get canceled, but I understand. I would just say to the players, like, please be smarter with how, how you act, make smart decisions, wear a mask, don't go out and party if if you're serious about having a season. And the players seem to be serious. I mean, they fought to have a season. They, I mean, they fought hard to have a season. I mean, they, they even said on Twitter, give us a time and place and we'll be there. So if you're going to say that, you got to be smarter. Um, and, and don't be immature. Be smart. Make smart decisions. Don't go out and party. Don't put other people in danger because... You want to be selfish and have a good time. Be smart. And I know it's selfish of me and and us fans to ask the players to give up months of us, of their social life um, and months away from their families to give us entertainment. But they asked for this. They asked for this. They wanted to have a season 
So this is what they asked to get. Um, so I just hope I just hope that the players um, will be smarter about what they choose to do outside of the games. I just hope that they'll follow protocol and, like I said, just make smart decisions. Don't be stupid, and the season can go along smoothly. I just don't know if it'll be able to. I'm a little pessimistic right now about the 2020-2021 MLB season going on for much longer. I hope it can, uh, but it's looking a little bleak right now. Next up, I want to talk about Joe Kelly getting suspended. Now, Joe Kelly is a Dodgers pitcher. And if you don't know the whole situation with the Astros, in 2017, the Astros won the World Series. They won the World the World Championship. Um, they won the title. But during that season, they stole signs using a camera in the outfield, which is illegal. That is a huge no-no. And they got caught. Uh, they got caught. And um, this year, it became a huge story. But the team wasn't disciplined. Nobody that took part in the cheating was disciplined whatsoever. They didn't have the title taken away, which is very odd. It's very strange. And MLB's commissioner, Rob Manfred, went as far as to say that the that the, the trophy, the championship trophy, is just a piece of metal. Um, and it doesn't really mean anything, which is a, a whole thing. That's a whole other thing. I'm not going to get into that. That's stupid. Uh, but so is Rob Manfred, so I'm not surprised that he said that. Um, but because of that, because the, the Astros cheated to win a World Series, a lot of teams are, are you know, they're policing the games themselves. And so pitchers are throwing at the Astros because if the commissioner of the league isn't going to, you know, discipline, discipline the Astros for cheating, the players are going to do it. So they're throwing at the Astros, they're hitting them, and Joe Kelly tried to do that. He threw at Alex Bregman. It didn't hit him. Um, he, he got to go to first base. Then he allowed a hit. Then Carlos Correa came up to the plate. He tried to hit him as well. Didn't hit him. Then he struck him out. And when he struck him out, he and Carlos Correa started talking crap. They had some words for each other. And then both benches cleared for the Dodgers and the Astros. And it was a whole thing. Well, Joe Kelly got suspended eight games for throwing at the Astros. Eight games. Joe Kelly got suspended eight games for throwing at the Astros. But the Astros cheated on their way to a World Series victory and got nothing. That's insane. Like, I, I, and I know that Major League Baseball is trying to send a message when they do this. But come on. Eight games? Like, if you convert a 60-game season to a 162-game season sample size, that's equal to 22 games. That is insanity. Joe Kelly should not be suspended eight games. And look, throwing at players is wrong. I'm not saying that it's okay. It's absolutely not okay. And I'm not saying it is. But come on. If you're not going to discipline the Astros whatsoever for cheating to win a World Series, how are you going to discipline Joe Kelly this harshly for throwing at players? It makes no sense no sense whatsoever. I don't get it at all. It's a joke. Uh, but like I said, I don't condone what Joe Kelly did. It was wrong. You shouldn't throw at players. Players can get injured very easily when you do that. Um, I don't think that's smart. And I'm glad that, the major, that, that Major League Baseball is taking action towards this. But come on. 
you're just trying to you're you're just showing you're just like showing all of baseball that you're just sending a message. That's all you're doing. Um, it's stupid. But, like, come on, that's just crazy. It's ludicrous that Joe Kelly is being suspended for eight games. Um, you know, I understand why he threw at the players. I don't think it's right. But I also, th- I also think it's absolutely nuts that he's being suspended for that long. It's crazy. Uh, but, you know, Rob Manfred's an idiot. He doesn't know how to police the game properly. He's not a great decision maker. He, he doesn't run his, his league properly. Um, and, it, you know... Why would I think that he was going to, you know, you know, handle this situation properly when he hasn't shown that he's been able to do that at all as commissioner? Uh, but that's a whole a whole rant I don't want to get into. Uh, but yeah, I want to talk, talk about those two stories. And as a Braves fan, I do want to talk about the Braves season because it's been pretty good so far. Uh, we are, what's our record? Actually, let me look that up. I believe we are 7-4. and four? We lost to the Mets last night, but we were on a roll because uh, we were killing the Mets um, in our second series. Let me look at that up, the Braves record. Got my phone, let me see. Uh, they are 7-4, so I was right. They are 7-4 right now. Uh, they've been very successful, but it's been a weird season because Ronald Acuna has been awful. He's been terrible at the plate. Hasn't been, hasn't been able to hit whatsoever. He's been one of the worst hitters in baseball. He's kind of getting into a groove the last couple of games. But to start out, he was horrendous. Um, and so was Freddie. Freddie hasn't been that great at all. Um, just like Acuna, he's been pretty bad. Um, and our best player, like, by a mile, has been Dansby Swanson. I mean, he's been playing like an MVP. I mean, he's been playing at an MVP caliber level. He's been playing out of his mind. It seems like every time he comes up to the plate, he's getting he's getting a hit. It's insane. And Marcelo Zuna, he's been, he's playing out of his mind as well. Not playing as well as Dansby, but he's playing very well, hitting the ball at a fantastic level. Those two have been playing out of their minds. And then Austin Riley at third base. I thought we were going to lose a lot of defense at third base when we lost Josh Donaldson to the Twins. But Austin Riley has been playing out of his mind at third base. He's been absolutely incredible. You love to see it. He's been great. He hasn't hit the ball well at all. He's hitting, or he, at one point he was hitting under 100. Um, that may that may have improved. Um, but just just to see him playing so well defensively in the field, that's great. Um, and yeah, our lineup hasn't been as great as you as you would hope for it to be. Um, but we're getting some nice production out of Marcelo Zuna, who we got from the Cardinals. And Dansby Swanson is coming into his own. He's looking like the number one overall draft pick that the Diamondbacks uh, had a few years back. Our pitching's been fine. Um, at least our starting pitching has been okay. Our top two pitchers, Mike Soroka and Max Reed, they've been absolutely insane. They've been really, really good. The rest of our rotation and our bullpen hasn't been that great. Our, our bullpen's been solid, but besides Soroka and Freed, our, ro- our starting rotation hasn't been that great at all. Those two guys have carried our pitching our pitching staff so far. And last night, Mike Soroka tore his ACL. Or his ACL, sorry, no. He tore his Achilles, um, which sucks. We lost our best pitcher, one of the best young pitchers in all of baseball. That really sucks. It sucks for the sport. Um, and I, I, according to a lot of things I've read, 
on Twitter. Mike Soroka seems to be a, a really great guy. He's a really hard, a hard worker. So it, it just sucks to see a guy like that get injured. And, you know, just to see a guy that talented. So it, it just sucks to see a young guy uh, who puts in the work, who, who's a really, a really good person, but also has some talent. It sucks to see someone like that get hurt. And, um, you know, prayers up to him for him. I pray that, you know, he has a, a, a fast and speedy recovery. And maybe he can get on the mound soon. Um, but that's a tough injury to come back from. Let's just hope that he's able to come back as good as he was before the injury. That's a tough injury to come back from. It's very, very difficult. That is such a difficult injury to deal with. But ho- hopefully he can come back at full strength. Now let's move on to the NFL Top 100s list. That was released last week. And I'm just going to put just say it bluntly. I don't care about the list. I know a lot of people do. I personally do not care about the list really at all. Um, I think it's stupid. I don't think the players take it ser- seriously. And Dan Orlovsky um, alluded to that on on um, ESPN a, a week or two ago. Um, he, he basically said that players don't even fill it out, or at least when he was in the NFL, they didn't. They basically got the list after practice. They handed it to a PR person and said, hey, fill this out for me. I don't want to deal with this. And, you know... If you don't know what the NFL Top 100 list is, it's a list that each player in the NFL gets. It's a list. It's a blank list of 20 spots, and players are asked to list their top 20 players in the NFL. Um, and it's supposed to just—it's it, it, supposed to show who the players are, or who the players think are the best players in the league. Um, and in theory, it's great. But if players aren't filling it out properly, then the list is illegitimate, and I believe the list is illegitimate because uh, the players seem to rank themselves and their teammates high. Then they rank their favorites in the league. So the, there's a lot of favoritism. A lot of a lot of players are ranking their teammates way way too high and much higher than they should. So that just illegitimizes the list right off the bat. And then we just take a look at some of the placements on the list. Levante David being at 100 was stupid. Carson Wentz and Matt, Ry- Matt Ryan being off the list, which is incredibly stupid as well. And then Patrick Mahomes being at four, even though he just had one of the best two-year stretches in the history of the NFL, or at least for a quarterback. He he, he was amazing um, the last two years. He had a great playoff run this year. He has to be at least top two. I think he's one. I don't think there's a better player in the NFL or a better player on this planet than Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think it's particularly close. I think you could argue Aaron Donald, um, but I think Patrick Mahomes is number one, and him being fourth behind Russell Wilson, Aaron Donald, and Lamar Jackson is absolutely insane. Mahomes being behind uh, Lamar Jackson is laughable. I mean, I love Lamar Jackson. He's a top-five quarterback, in my opinion, but please, come on, let's stop being ridiculous. Lamar Jackson is not the best player in football. And you can say, hey, he won MVP. But let's look at last year when Patrick Mahomes threw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and was ranked fourth. Like, come on, there's got to be some consistency with the list. That's why I hate it. That's why I don't think it really matters all that much. It's stupid. There's no consistency. Players don't rank each other properly. So I don't really care about the list whatsoever. But I wanted to get my thoughts about it. Um, or the little thoughts I had 
uh, about the list. I don't think it's that is that relevant. Um, I think the list is illegitimate. It's not done properly. The players don't care about it. They don't the care. The players don't care enough to to fill the their list out properly. So why should I care about the list at all? Um, so I don't care about it. I thought the list was pretty horrible this year. There were a lot of questionable placements, I'll say. But yeah, now let's talk about the NBA restart. It has been absolutely incredible. The NBA bubble in Orlando has been a huge success. It's been awesome. I love what they've done. Let's just give a round of applause to Adam Silver for the job he's done with the bubble. It's been great. They've been very strict, so players don't get coronavirus, and coronavirus doesn't spread within the bubble. Um, and, and just the presentation within the games has been awesome. I mean, the games look great. It doesn't feel weird. It doesn't feel awkward. The games feel natural. It feels like a regular game. Now, of course, not having fans, it's different. But I do kind of like the virtual fans. That does give it the vibe and the feel of a regular game. And the games themselves, there is high intensity. Like players care about it. the The games mean a lot because eight the the eight worst teams in the league are not are not a part of the bubble. So each game is a lot better. The matchups are better. Um, and you know, play teams are playing for seeding. So the games mean a lot more. There's a lot more intensity. Players are putting in the effort. They're not just cruising. Even the teams that are trying that are close to clinching top seeds in each conference, they're going um, very, very hard. They're putting in a lot of effort. You love to see it. The games are great. Um, and there's been a lot of close games. Um, it, it, it's just been fun to watch. And, you know, I want to talk about some teams in uh, specifically, like the Lakers. Um, they've been playing very, very well. Um, they did have a big loss to the Raptors. That was huge. Um, the Raptors just played great defense in that game. Siakam was good. Kyle Lowry was out of his mind in that game. I mean, he put up over 30 points. 14 rebounds. Like, you allow a six-foot guy to grab 14 rebounds? Are you kidding me, Lakers? Uh, but Kyle Lowry was amazing in that game. Um, and just the team defense from the Raptors was awesome. Um, and, you know, they just came out. And they just whooped the Lakers in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, so that was an impressive win for the Raptors. But the, the Lakers have played very well. They got a win versus the Clippers. Now, I will say, I don't put a whole lot of stock into that game because Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell were out for that game. Um, so those are two huge pieces for the Clippers. They combined for 38 points per game between the two. Um, they, they play a huge role. They're both a part of the Clippers clutch lineup. So those are huge losses. Um, and the Lakers, they played the Jazz last night as I'm recording this, which I'll talk about later. Um, the Lakers have played well. LeBron James specifically hasn't played that well, at least offensively. He's been great defensively. Um, and, and he was amazing on defense against the Clippers in their first game. He was on fire on that end of the court. But Anthony Davis, he's been very dominant. Um, I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal in the bubble, playing out of his mind. And there are some, I do have some concerns about the Lakers, like their lack of perimeter shooting or consistent perimeter shooting. And, you know, they have Danny Green. But besides him, 
they really don't have a lot of shooting on this team. They have Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, but those two haven't been playing very well in the bubble. And besides them, LeBron James is probably the next best shooter on the team. Um, and he's not an elite shooter by any means. So that's a huge, huge question mark for this team. And then when LeBron gets off the floor, like their their team just, it, it, it's a lot worse when LeBron's off the floor. They don't have a lot of depth. That's a huge question. It's why I don't really, it's why I'm not confident in them being, um, a title favorite. You know, they're, they're a, they're a title contender, but I don't think they're going to win the title because of, because of their lack, lack of depth and their lack of shooting. I know I said that weird, um, but I mean, they are a title contender. I just don't think they're going to win the title. I don't see that happening. They just, they just have some big holes in their team. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to make up for it, even though they have two of the top seven, two of the seven best players in the world. I don't think it's enough. Um, I don't think LeBron is good enough at this point in his career to make up for uh, the lack of depth and shooting on this team. Um, but, you know, that's just my opinion. Um, then the Bucks in the East. They've been playing very, very well, even without Eric Bledsoe. And Giannis has, has looked awesome. He's been incredible in the bubble. So has Chris Middleton. He's been good. I know they lost to the Celtics. Um, but hey, they were missing Eric Bledsoe, and Eric Bledsoe is a huge part of that team. His two-way impact is huge for the Bucks, um, and he, he is a huge part of their success, or, and he was this year. Um, you know, so without him, they're starting Dante DiVincenzo, and Dante, I love him, but he hasn't been all that great. He's been a little bit questionable, um, and so I'd like to see them with Eric Bledsoe on the floor. So hopefully he can come back soon. Um, I want to talk about the Raptors as well. The Raptors have been so freaking good. Um, defensively, they pl- they're playing out of their mind. Uh, Nick Nurse, is he's just been awesome in the bubble. He, he has the Raptors playing at such a high level, which is so impressive, considering they lost Kawhi Leonard, who I believe is the best player in the world. They lost him. They dealt with a ton of injuries this year. And they're still one of the best teams in the league. That is insanely impressive. And, and one of the main reasons why is because Nick Nurse, their head coach, is the best coach in the NBA. He's insane. Their rotations are great on defense. They defend screens very, very well. Um, and they've just been putting on a clinic defensively in the bubble. It's why they were able to beat the, uh, the Lakers. It's why they've been playing so well in the bubble. Um... But yeah, I'm going to talk about uh, their game against the Heat later on in this podcast. But I, I just want to give them the credit they deserve. They've been playing super well. Um, and they look like a title contender right now. They really do. And they might be in the same tier as the Bucks, Clippers, and Lakers. I mean, I honestly believe that. They've been playing super, super well. Um, and it's great to see. Now the Clippers. Uh, they're my title favorite. I think they're going to win, win the title this year. They got a really, really good team. They're deep. They have Kawhi Leonard, who's the best player in the world, in my opinion. They have Paul George, who is a great second option. One of the best second options in the league. He's awesome. They have a lot of depth. I will say, the one thing they don't have is rim protection. Um, and that that's just magnified by Montrez Harrell's abs- absence. And Harrell is a great defender, but he is a solid defender, and he's a better defender than Zubak. 
So without Harrell on the floor, they have little rim protection um, or little to none at all. Um, and so teams are just feasting on, on them uh, down in the paint. I mean, Anthony Davis just ate them alive. And, te- and if they play a team like the Lakers, which is likely, they're going to struggle in a seven-game series. Um, and if they make it to the finals and they face off against the Bucks, that's that's a huge a huge issue for them because Giannis generates a ton of rim pressure. Let's say they play the Raptors. Siakam generates a lot of rim pressure. Let's say a team like the Heat or even the 76ers. Let's say the 76ers go on a huge run, makes it to the finals. That's not a great matchup for the Clippers because Joel, Joel Embiid will dominate their centers. He's going to kill them. He's going to eat the, eat them alive in the post because they just they lack rim protection. That's really the only hole on their team, in my opinion. Besides, you know, point guard is a, is a little bit of a hole on their team. I don't think it's that big of an issue because they do have Patrick Beverly. Reggie Jackson has played well in the bubble. He's looked pretty good. Um, and he might, he might just provide some valuable minutes in the clutch uh, for the Clippers in the playoffs. He just might. He's been playing very well. But I like what I've seen from Paul George specifically. He's been really, really good. Kawhi Leonard hasn't been great, but in the playoffs, I expect him to play to play well. I expect him to be on his A game. He's the best player in the world for a reason, and that reason is because he shows up in the playoffs. Uh, when the lights are the brightest, he comes through. So, yeah, that's that. And the Nuggets, I do want to touch up on them, and the Thunder, I'll touch up on them after this. The Nuggets are incredibly deep. Don't sleep on them. If Jamal Murray comes through in the playoffs, they could be a very, very dangerous team. Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in the NBA. He is a stud. What he can do as a sec- as a secondary player, or really as a primary playmaker, is insane. He's the best passing big man possibly of all time. Um, what he- his court vision is insane. And he's been running some point from the Nuggets a little bit in the bubble, from the scrimmages to the receiving games. Um, and he shines in that role. And when they go with the big ball lineup with him and Bobo, that is just, that's a mismatch for a lot of teams. Um, and that lineup is absolutely insane to watch. It's incredible what they can do with their lineup. They're so deep. They have a, a, a ton of variety with their lineups. Um, I, I think you need Jamal Murray to be a competent scorer in, or a, a reliable scorer in the playoffs. He's got to be on his A game, on his A game as a pull-up scorer. Uh, maybe he can heat up from three-point range. If he does, the Nuggets are going to be dangerous, dangerous, and they can make a deep playoff run where they need Jamal Murray to step up. Um, they need Bo Bo to be efficient in it, in his in the little minutes he's going to get in the playoffs. They need Michael Porter Jr. to step up and play very very well. Uh, but with their depth. With their star power, with Jokic, with their their super solid secondary option in Jamal Murray, I think they have a very good team. They're a team to look out for in the playoffs. Another team to look out for that I've already mentioned is the Oklahoma City Thunder. They've looked awesome in the bubble. They've looked incre- incredible. Um, their three-guard lineup with Dennis Schroeder, SGA, and Chris Paul continues to dominate teams. They have, they have a very, very good roster led by Chris Paul. He's played very, very well. And they look extremely dangerous right now. I mean, SGA is playing super well. 
They have a lot of scoring options, a lot of guys that can create their own shot, a lot of guys that you can rely on uh, when the ball is in their hands. That is incredibly valuable in today's NBA. And Steven Adams is really, really good. One of the more underrated centers in the league, in my opinion. He's a stud. They have a lot of pieces on that team. If Andre Roberson can provide valuable minutes for them, they're going to be really, really dangerous. And, I, I mean, I would not want to see them in the playoffs because you could be going home. Um, in the East, obviously, you have the Celtics. Besides the top two teams, the Raptors and the Bucks. Uh, they're, I don't, I mean, I guess you'll say they're a dark horse contender uh, because they have a lot of depth on their team as well. Jason Tatum, I don't know if I buy him as the number one option in the playoffs yet. I'd like to see that this season, and we'll get to see that in the playoffs. Um, he can prove that. He just hasn't proven it yet. So how can I believe in him as believe in him as a number one option in the playoffs? I can't. I haven't seen it, but um, I think he'll I think he'll come come through in the playoffs. Um, and and his shot creation, his two way impact makes the Celtics very dangerous. Then you have Kimba Walker. If he can get healthy and doesn't have to have a minutes restriction because of a knee injury, that'll be huge. Um, then you got Jalen Brown, who is incredibly underrated. Um, he needs to be talked about more in the most improved player uh, conversation. I wouldn't vote for him, but um, he had a very, very good year. Uh, was a fringe all-star. He's incredible. He just doesn't have that star power that Tatum does. Um, but he's he is awesome. He's a great two-way player as well. He can create his own shot a bit. Um, just not as good of a shooter as Jason Tatum. And not as good all around as Tatum, but he's very good. And then Gordon Hayward's been playing very, very well um, in the bubble in the receiving games. He's playing well. I will say, um, if they do play a team with a dominant inside presence like the 76ers, that spells trouble for them. Uh, they might get bounced early if they play Philly. Uh, but I like what they have there in Boston. They got a lot of depth. They got a lot of moving pieces, um, especially in the small forward position. They got a talented point guard in Kimba Walker if he can be healthy. Um, and I, I, they got a great coach in Brad Stevens. If Jason Tatum plays well, if he plays at a high level in the playoffs, they can have a deep run. Um, but I think it all just... Depends on how Jason Tatum plays. Is he going to play like he did against, who who was it, uh, Boston? Or, um, sorry, Milwaukee. Is he going to play like that? Or is he going to play like he did in the first half against the Trailblazers? Which Tatum are you going to get? I think we're going to get the Portland Tatum, um, but that's to be seen. I can't wait to, wa- wait to watch them in the playoffs. There's also some other Dark Horse teams uh, like the Mavericks. You know, the Pelicans, Grizzlies. I think the Mavericks are an incredibly tough team. Um, or they will be a tough team to face in the playoffs. You got Luka Doncic. He, he's awesome. He's an MVP caliber player. You have Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, he's a big man who can who can protect the rim and shoot the three. Um, he's dangerous. So with those two guys and that historically good offense, they're a team to watch out for. One team that's been playing very, very well and, and is a team to look out for in the West is the Houston Rockets. Uh, they've been very successful with their small ball lineup with, you know, Russell Westbrook, James Harden, P.J. Tucker playing center. Um, I mean, they've been very successful. James Harden 
has played very, very well in the bubble, storing at an incredibly efficient rate. Um, he he's just he continues to prove that he's one of the best scorers in the NBA, and Russell Westbrook has played well, uh, well too. I mean, he's been awesome attacking the attacking the rim, shooting mid range jumpers, playing off of James Harden, um, and he, and he makes it very difficult for other teams because you got You gotta worry about James Harden, but then and then Russell Westbrook is playing off of him. Attacking closeouts, generating rim pressure. It's very difficult to face the Rockets right now. They have a lot of three-point shooters. And James Harden's difficult to guard. And then you got to worry about Russell Westbrook, who's great in this new role that he finds that he's finding himself in. He's amazing. The Rockets are very dangerous. Um, but yeah, that's all I really want to talk about. Uh, and just looking at the playoff picture. Let's get into the games that happened yesterday. And then starting off. With the Raptors and the Heat, that was a very good game, um, and that's just an interesting matchup. I mean, both teams, neither team has like a go-to superstar, but both teams are deep, and both teams have um, very, very good coaching. They're well-coached teams, uh, but this was not a very good game in the first half. It was sloppy. Both teams were missing um, easy shots. They were turning the ball over. Siakam was awesome in the first quarter. He scored 13 points. He was attacking the basket um, and hitting three-pointers, making it very difficult on the Heat's defense. Um, and wow, Miami's young guards like uh, Kendrick Nunn, Tyler Hero, um, Duncan Robinson, they struggled. Hero was a lot better than the other two, but Nunn and Robinson specifically, they were terrible. Um, in the first half, they, or in the first quarter, all three had zero points, and they were zero for three from the field combined. They struggled. Hero got it going um, later on in the game, but yeah, those three young guys, they struggled a little bit in, in the first quarter. Um, in the second quarter, Goran Dragic, he was playing well off the bench. He had five points, two assists, two rebounds, two for three from the field, and three stocks in the second quarter. Um, and the Raptors, they were just... They just they continued to play good defense. So did the Heat. It was just a sloppy game in the first half from both sides. Um, Iggy came into the game. He was not that good at all. He was missing easy shots, shots that he has to hit um, in his limited minutes. In the second half, Van Vliet was on fire this whole game. He was great. He finished with 36 points. He was amazing. Um, and... and in the second half, the Heat clawed back. They got down a bit in the second half, uh, but they came back, made it close, took took the lead on a three from Goran Dragic. Um, but in the end, they had some crucial turnovers late in the game, um, and the Raptors were able to come out with a W. Um, Van Vliet was amazing in this game. Like I said, he actually had 32 points, not 36. I misspoke. He had 32 points, two assists, five rebounds, 7 for, 7 for 14 from the field, 6 for 11 from the three-point line. Goran Dragic was awesome off the bench. Um, he had 16 points, 4 assists, and 5 rebounds, 56% um, from the field, 5 for 9 from the field. And I'm sorry, I misspoke once again. Van Vliet did have 36 points in this game. He had 32 um, in the third quarter, or going... Or, at, at some point in the third quarter. 
Um, Pascal, Pascal Siakam, he had 22 points, three assists, three assists, and six rebounds, and one steal. Van Vliet finished with 36 points, four assists, and five rebounds, and one steal. Eight for 16 from the field, seven for 12 from the three-point line, and 13 for 13 from the free-throw line. He was incredible. Had some big shots off the dribble. His pull-up shooting was incredible in this game. And then for the Heat, Dragic had 25 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds off uh, off the bench, and 2 steals and 1 block. And he was pretty efficient. Uh, 9 for 14 from the field shooting and 3 for 7 from the 3-point line. Jimmy Butler was solid. 16 points, 5 assists, 7 rebounds. And Jay Crowder. There was a Crowder sighting in this game. He had 16 points, 3 assists, and 6 rebounds. He was solid. Shot 4 for 10 from the 3-point line. Uh, but the, the Raptors were able to come out with a victory. Um, and wow, they are, they are just so good defensively. They made it tough on the Heat in the second half. Even though the Heat were able to, cl- to um, come back, the Raptors forced two cru- crucial turnovers late in the game uh, to seal the deal. The second game I want to talk about is the Grizzlies and the Pelicans. Before I get into that, I need to take a break. Get a drink because I've been talking for a while and I need a break. So I, I will be right back. Alright, I'm back. And let's talk about the Pelicans and the Grizzlies game. Um, this was good. It, this was a must-win game for the Pelicans because they're trying to get the 8th seed. They're trying to make it into the playoffs. Uh, so this was a must-win game for them. And the Pelicans and Grizzlies are uh, they are actually both uh, fighting for the 8th seed. Both fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, the Pelicans are farther out. I think they're like the 10th seed right now. Maybe the, no, actually, the, the, I think they're the 11th seed right now. Uh, they've struggled in the bubble a little bit. Um, this was a huge game for them. The Pelicans won 109-99. to In the first quarter, uh, the Pelicans got off to a hot start. They were up 19-8 to with, uh, around four, four, uh, four minutes and 40 seconds left in the first. Uh, Brandon Clark, he got off to a hot, a hot start as well. Um, he was kill- killing the Pelicans inside. He was great scoring around the basket. Brandon Ingram got hot a little bit. He was getting to the rim with ease, creating his own shot. In the second quarter, Grayson Allen made his first appearance. Uh, he hit a three uh, with nine minutes and 40 seconds left. Lonzo hit Zion with an absolutely beautiful uh, lob from around half court. That was insane. Uh, then... With 8.48 left in the second quarter, Melly hit Zion with a lob uh, off a roll on a pick and roll. That was beautiful as well. Um, with 8.27 left in the second quarter, Grayson Allen hit another three-pointer. Then with 7.47 left in the second quarter, Grayson Allen once again hit a three. Um, and at the 7 minute and 33 second mark in the second quarter, Grayson Allen had 15 points and was shooting 5 for 6 from the, from the three-point line. Um, so he was huge in this game. And John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. were both off in this game. They did not play that well. Jaron Jackson Jr. was better than Morant. I mean, he finished with 22 points. Um, but he wasn't all that efficient. Um, he had a, he had a pretty good second half. And he was able to get to the rim a little bit. Uh, but both, both of them were struggling in the first half. Uh, in the third quarter, uh, Zion took JJJ. Um, off the dribble for a beautiful finish off two feet with around 11 and a half minutes left. Um, and then 
Uh, and the Pelicans got off to a lead, but with four four minutes and forty seconds left, Dylan Brooks hit a three to take to take a sixty eight to sixty seven lead in the third quarter. Um, but Zion was awesome in this game. wasn't very efficient, um, but he was just so lethal attacking the basket in this game. Made it in- extremely tough uh, for the Grizzlies. Um, and with nine nine minutes and um, actually no, with four minutes and thirty three seconds left, JJ Redick uh, he came into the game. He, he had a scoop layup followed by uh, um, a three coming off of a screen in the fourth quarter. Um, once again, with around seven minutes and thirty seconds left, uh, Redick hit a mega deep three um, to go up ninety one to eighty three. The Pelicans started building up a lead again. Um, with six minutes and fifty seconds left, uh, Jerry Jackson Jr. he had a consensus three, um, and was starting to come alive a little bit in the fourth quarter, but it just wasn't enough. And with around five minutes left, Jai hit a three to cut the lead, ninety-seven to ninety-three. Uh, but Zion had some huge buckets late in the fourth quarter um, to pull away, um, and Ingram sealed the game with a three with just over a minute left. Um, so the Pelicans came out. With a W, um, you know, John Morant was not very good in this game. He, he finished with 11 points, 8 assists, and 5 rebounds, but only shot 5 for 21 from the field, 1 for 10 from the 3-point line, and had a, a plus-minus of negative 12. He was not good whatsoever in this game. Um, he, he struggled shooting off the dribble um, and just wasn't a huge factor in that game. Then Jerry Jackson Jr., he actually had a decent stat line, 22 points, 2 assists, and 2 rebounds, and then added on 1 steal and 2 blocks. Uh, but he shot 7 for 17 from the field, 2 for 8 from the 3-point line, um, 6 for 8 from the free-throw line. He wasn't he wasn't bad, uh, just wasn't very efficient from the 3-point line. Um, and, you know, it sucks because news just broke that he uh, tore his meniscus, so he's out for the season. That sucks. JJJ is one of the best young power forwards in the game. He is awesome. I love him. He's one of the best young players in the game. He is just an absolute stud. So that sucks to hear. I um I hope that he's able to come back from this. Um, I, I mean, I love watching him play. He's just so, so good. So I hope he can come, come back from this injury better than he was before, or at least just as good. Um, but besides, besides him and Morant, you know, Brandon Clark played well, had 10 points. Grayson Allen was awesome. He had 17 points, 2 assists, 1 rebound, um, shot 6 for 10 from the field, 5 for 6 from the 3-point line. Um, and Brandon Clark, or Dylan, Dylan Brooks, he, he was solid as well, had 15 points of his own. Um, but yeah, Zion was really, really good. Brandon Ingram was good. Uh, Ingram was like really, really good attacking the rim, creating his own shot on the perimeter. Uh, and Zion's been on a minutes restriction for, um, the whole, t- the whole, uh, every re- receding game, um, but he played 25 minutes in this game and had a big impact, even though he wasn't incredibly efficient, he still had a big impact on this game, uh, but to finish off the pod, I want to talk about the Lakers-Jazz game, uh, the Lakers won 116 to 108, and the first half was awesome, that was so much fun, um, the Jazz jumped out to a 7-0 seven lead, uh, and the Lakers were struggling to protect the rim. Then Davis, uh, he came, he just, he was on fire. Uh, he was productive on both ends of the court. 
He had a three to tie the game, 13 to 13. Uh, then with four minutes and 40 seconds left, Donovan Mitchell had a beautiful full-court pass uh, to Georges Niang. Um, and AD was just dominating the game, getting buckets however he wanted. Um, I mean, there was nothing the Jazz could do about it. He, he was just killing them inside, outside, scoring off jump shots, scoring down low. He was he was getting anything that he wanted in this game. Um, and there was, there was just nothing the Jazz could do about it. In the second quarter, uh, Kuzma hit a three at the top of the key with, with around 10 minutes left. Um, and Dwight Howard came into the game and played very, very well. He was feasting on Tony Bradley. Um, and with around six and a half minutes left in the, in the second quarter, uh, Donovan Mitchell hit a deep pull-up pull up three off a double screen to go up 39-36. to 36. That was insane. Um, that was a high-level shot. And that's a shot that you see some of the best players in the game hit. Um, that was incredible. And Mitchell was killing the Lakers in the second quarter, hitting shots off the dribble. Um, but Anthony Davis was continuing to do whatever he wants. Um, and with around 12 minutes left, AD had a beautiful bounce pass to KCP, leading to an and one layup. And that, that was an exciting half. Mitchell was awesome. AD was incredible. Scored over 20, uh, 20 points in the first half. He was He was awesome. And in the third quarter, the Lakers' defense... They came out of the gate ice cold. They, they were allowing too many open jump shots. The Jazz. Um, but the Lakers bench, they they did come in and they were killing it. Um, and they led the comeback. At one point, the Lakers went on a 19-2 run to end the third quarter. Um, and at one point, the Lakers were up 13-86-73. In the fourth quarter, LeBron got it going a little bit scoring-wise. Uh, he had five points in the first one minute and 30 seconds. And Dwight Howard continued to play well. Um, and, and then AD sealed the game with a between-the-legs step-back three. Uh, and that was actually an and one. He got fouled, still hit the three. That ended the game. This was a big... Ba- bi- uh, wow, I cannot speak. This was a big bounce-back win for the Lakers after losing to the Raptors this weekend. Uh, they, needed, they needed this win. Um, but, man, although he wasn't super efficient... Donovan Mitchell was incredible in that game. The Jazz haven't looked that great, uh, but Mitchell was really, really good. It was fun to watch him go to work in this game. He finished with uh, 33 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds, shot 9 for 22 from the field, 4 for 10 from the 3-point line, and 11 for 12 from the free throw line. He was really good. Mike Conley had his moments. Um, Rudy Gobert was fine offensively. But he wasn't very good defensively in this game. He struggled a bit. Uh, Dwight Howard coming off the bench was really, really good. At 11 points, 5 rebounds, 1 steal, 1 block. Shot 4 for 4 from the field and 3 for 4 from the free throw line. Uh, LeBron James, he had a decent game himself. 22 points, 9 uh, nine assists, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, 1 block. Continued to put in the work on defense. Uh, he shot 9 for 16 from the field, 2 for 5 from the 3 point line. 2 for 2 from the free throw line. When the man of the hour was Anthony Davis shot, or he scored uh, 42 points, uh, had 4 assists, 12 rebounds, 3 steals, 1 blocks, or 1 block. He was a monster in this game. He was just unstoppable. Uh, what a, a superstar performance by him. Shot 13 for 28 from the field, uh, 4 for 8 from the 3 point line, and 12 for 15 from the free throw line. 
He was incredible. And that was a great win for the Lakers. Um, a huge win for them. Like I said, they needed this coming off that loss to the Raptors. And AD, he came out on fire. He was awesome. The Lakers bench was pretty good. Deion Waiters had some nice minutes. Uh, Dwight Howard was great. Kuzma wasn't all that good. Uh, but Anthony Davis just took over and willed the Lakers to victory. Um, so yeah, that's all I got for today. I hope y'all enjoyed this. Let me know what y'all think, and I will see y'all next time.